0: Our sermon this afternoon is for Mr. Matthew Steele. It is entitled, Service in Love. Good afternoon. Oh, I, uh, to move this. not too sure why there's a cowbell up here when I was about to kick it okay well uh, you know as most of you can probably uh, tell by now or know by now and we've had several announcements I think it was announced last week and reminders in the bulletin and so on that we have uh, new elections coming up uh, uh, to be part of the boring members I mean the board members uh, maybe I got it right the first time what do you think Glenda um and so, you know, it got me thinking about, uh, about service and about how we serve one another in, in our congregation and the roles that we all play uh, at times, you know, very different from one another. And, and maybe sometimes we serve in, in areas that uh, we wish we didn't. <laughs> and then maybe sometimes we, we ser- serve in areas that we're really uh, fulfilled by. And you know, I was thinking about the board, and I was, I've been trying to encourage uh, you know some new blood to to put themselves on the list for, for the election uh, and not not by new do I mean young because you know new can also be old, but when we think about that, we think about service, let's say in the board or in Other ways in church. What is that? Is it to be in charge? Is it to, you know what? I see a problem and I'm going to make sure it's fixed the way I want it fixed. Or is it about service? Is it about leadership? Is it about making yourself available to help solve problems within our church family and help fulfill needs that we have? as a church family. You know, you can ask any current or former board member, and they will tell you probably of very interesting times on the board. We've had challenges, we've had arguments, we've had had, uh, good conversations and good plans and ideas. We've had the whole list, and, and I'm just talking about the years that I've been involved in. I remember one time, I got into an argument with a board member about something, and we're arguing and everybody else is just kind of sitting there looking at us like we're, you know, crazy. And then after about 15 minutes, we both figured out, we both agreed to the same point that we were arguing about. Communication is so very important as well, isn't it, in those kinds of settings, But as I say, the board members can tell you about countless hours at the meetings, but also hours spent doing the work. And maybe that's sometimes our hesitation to bring new ideas to the board because we realize somebody will say, that's great, why don't you go do it? Which, well, maybe that's what we need to do. But there's a lot of work in there. And I'm probably not making it sound like something you really want to do but it is also very rewarding and it's a, an experience and you build new levels of relationships with your, your fellow board members. It's a good thing to do. <coughs> so, for this non-paid party political ad that I support this message, please consider, if you haven't considered before, standing for our board. There are some criteria that, that uh, you have to to meet, but there, you can see that in any one of our directories in the back, here's our constitution and bylaws. But thinking in a wider sense about service, and about how we serve one another, how we help one another in our church family, turn if you were to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, very familiar passage, there's really shouldn't be any surprises in here, and yet there actually is. When we dig a little deeper. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. This, of course, is Paul talking. To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all y'all. If he was saying that right, for Oklahoma, right? In all y'all? No. But he's in every single one of us. Isn't he? That puts the context here. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure Of Christ's gift. And I think that's a fascinating way of putting that. We're given grace. And a gift. Maybe we need grace in order to. Work our gift. Or maybe others need to give us grace. So that we can. Work in our gift. It's a fascinating phrase. Therefore as he says. When he has ascended on high. He led captivity captive. And gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean that he is also first descended to the low parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or woman, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. This is just a stream of consciousness, Paul, isn't it, on this topic of service. And in here we find a calling, a calling for each one of us to serve, and a calling for us to be served, And this is the gospel, packaged up right here in 16 verses. And let me state the obvious. None of it is easy. None of it is easy. Not by a long shot. Because we know that we are all human. We have our human weaknesses. We have to deal with challenging situations when we hang out with humans. Humans are a challenge. Humans are a challenge to some of us more than others as well. Isn't that right, Reg? Introverts unite. But as we go back through this passage, I want to draw our attention to at least two things that are key to to the understanding that Paul is trying to get us to see. The first is in the beginning, Ephesians chapter four, one through three. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling by which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What is the first thing he says we should do? Walk worthy of the calling for which you were called. That is you. We are to walk worthy of the calling. What's walking worthy? And even bigger than that, what is our calling? And I don't mean in the general sense of we are called to be the children of God. I mean in the sense of service. What is our calling in the body of Christ? I preached on this topic probably a number of times you guys may have heard this message before but I remember giving it one time and somebody after services came up to me and said rather angrily well then what is my calling what's my gift what am I supposed to do I said I don't know your calling is your calling you have to work that out it sounds like a simple answer but hey I have to figure out what my calling is, not yours. So we each have to think about this. He's telling us to walk worthy of the calling for which you are called. And remember, the context of this passage is about service, it's about fulfilling roles within the body. So, what is our calling? So, I'm going to share with you, I don't know if, I don't remember if I've mentioned this before, but for many years, even from being a youngster a young teenager, kind of felt this pressure to serve regardless of what church I was attending felt this pressure to serve and it was always in some kind of ministry something sometimes it was you know doing the, the audio video at the back of the church sometimes it was in music which obviously I they mess around with a little bit there was a pressure to, to serve in the youth club I remember um, at the Baptist church that I was in and here's this pimply faced 14 year old telling these 19 year olds how to live because I had it all down but nonetheless there was this pressure to tell people about the Bible to just share God's word now along with this pressure was no great skill Right? It doesn't mean that you're automatically capable of doing these things. I, I used to think, well, maybe my mother was right when she used to say, you just like the sound of your own voice. When she would be just at her wits end with my endless questions and comments and discussions. I remember Fran one time, I think Fran you might remember this, that We were talking about our boys that were little and were like struggling with their walking and toddling around and trying to, you know, teach them these things and teach them to talk and so on. She's like, I know you spend so much time trying to teach your kids to walk and talk. And then you get to the point where you just want them to sit down and shut up. And that's true. So, did I just like the sound of my own voice? Or was there a calling? Was there something else going on? I'm not unique in this. We all can have this or have had this in our life. Well, it wasn't until after a few years of marriage that my dad, talking to Renee, told her of what he did when I was born. That he had decided that he was going to pray at my birth, or just after my birth, that God would call me into the ministry in some way, shape, or form. Thanks a lot, Dad. Did you think about telling me? It made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense why the, there was this pressure to do things that I didn't want to do. That I was uncomfortable doing at times. A calling. And it's it's interesting to think about that, isn't it? There's plenty of examples in the Word where you have young people called to do a thing, called to be in a mission for God in some way, shape, or form. So, if anybody has done that to your kids, please tell them that you did that to them. Don't be like my dad and keep it secret. But even with understanding like this, even with something like this in our lives, still doesn't answer all the questions. What exactly are we called to do? What is our area of service? And these are more difficult questions. When we look around the church, we might think, well, so-and-so does this, and -and so-and-so does that, and somebody else does the other thing, It just seems like everything's taken care of. There's no no need for me to, to do anything. I guarantee you that's not true. And I know that's not true by what we read in the Word. And we'll get into that in a minute. We might think well, all the classes have teachers, and all the positions in the kitchen are filled. Is that true? Teachers need relief. We only just about have enough teachers for our classes. And sometimes when somebody is not here, they're sick or they're having to have another engagement somewhere, there is no class. Or somebody at the last minute will, will jump in. But we could do with more help with our Sabbath school classes. For sure. I'm pretty certain that everybody that serves in the kitchen could really help with more help. They could really do with more help. Now these are just two areas that I'm picking on. I wonder if our audio and video team might like to, you know, have a life. Because Rick is hardly ever out of that sound booth. And I know he enjoys that service, but hey. Maybe that's an area that we can consider serving in. We are all called to serve one another. It is part of the reason that we are instructed to be here together. And I think this ties with what David was saying earlier. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. The writer says, Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and service good works stir up service hey, could you help me with this hey, we've got this new program would you be willing to spend some time it's a few hours a month would you be willing to maybe take a Sabbath school class just, just once every couple of months maybe. to encourage and stir up one another in love not in guilt (laughs) not guilting anybody into it but in love to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching and we've talked about this before that we should be doing it more that we should be meeting more if it's possible as we get closer to that day We're instructed to come together, to worship together, to eat and fellowship together, and to stir up one another unto good works, to service, to serve one another in love. In order to do that, though, there are two vital ingredients. Firstly, what's the first ingredient? You have to be here, right? We have to be present. We have to be engaged. We have to be here. And the second is just as important. You have to be encouraged by others. you also mean that you have to be here for others to encourage. You have to show yourself willing to serve. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when we forsake the assembling of ourselves together, And I'm not talking about, you know, the occasionally not here, family trip, sick, whatever it may be. Things in life happen, of course. But when we forsake the fellowshipping on a regular basis, some things happen. One of them is that we are removing our brethren's chance and opportunity to serve us and to serve them. Part of this path, this journey that we're on, this growth as Christians. We, and if we're not here, we remove the chance for someone to provide value to us, to help us, to aid us, and for us to help and aid somebody else. It might be that the service we do for others or the service we receive from others. It might be that's the only positive thing that we have in a given week, you know? We can all have pretty crummy weeks. Health, work, challenges in life, whatever it may be, but we can come here and we can serve one another. And sometimes it's the serving someone else that lifts us up, not just being served ourselves. Serving one another is critical. It is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And it's a circle of edification that we help one another in love. The second part of this directive from Hebrews 10 is an instruction, I think, in many ways to those that are already serving or that are already in leadership, is to look around and see that others can help. Because it's really hard when you're in the thick of things and you're working on stuff and you're, you're busy, to spend that time and look up and say, "You know, I wish there's somebody else here that could help me. Oh, hey, so-and-so could come help me with this. And so it's really incumbent upon us as leaders, leaders in our congregation in different areas, to pray. Remember, we're asked... To pray, aren't we? Jesus said, Pray that more laborers. So we pray for more laborers. And then what do we do? We just do the work ourselves. No, we let the laborers join in. We find a place to have them work alongside us. Show them what needs to be done, how to complete the task. You know, If we don't actively serve, especially in areas that maybe are new, challenging to us, but maybe areas that we're called to be in and we feel this pressure to maybe help, there's something that goes along in our thinking, isn't there? And it's an insecurity. It's a self-doubt. It's a fear. What if I do it wrong? What if I'm not good enough? What if I make a mistake? Those that are in leadership have to overcome that and encourage and promote in love and say, this is the place to make the mistakes. Because here is grace. Here is where we can serve one another and learn and learn to do better the next time and the next time and so on. Especially our young people. Encouraging them to participate and be part of this. Especially our young people church should be the absolute best place to mess up, to try and fail, and try again because it's full of grace. It should be the place where we exalt one another, where we promote one another and encourage one another. Not criticize, not condemn, but lift up. We've been given this calling. And I know this isn't necessarily The same as coming along and and giving somebody an ordination, you know, and going back to the question of, well, the question, what is my calling? That is for you to work out with your Savior. It's for me to work out with my Savior. But if we can encourage one another, we can open up these opportunities, then how much more blessed will we be as a congregation, helping and encouraging one another? Of course, we have to be careful, right? Hey, I think you're good at this, so here you go. And just deciding for somebody. We've all heard of church organizations that have done that. And lots of harm has been done that way. But encouraging, encouraging, especially our young people, as I said, to try new things. Give it, Give it a try. You might like it, and you might be good at it. You don't know until you try. So there's a big difference in recognizing a calling and encouraging a calling or a spiritual gift than trying to force somebody into a role that they are not gifted for. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Paul says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body but all the members do not have the same function so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them. What was Paul's expectation for the body for a church family with different individuals, different members, who are members of one another, who are joined with the spirit of Christ Jesus, what is his expectation of us? That we use the gift. That we exercise our calling. We should be humble. We should be humble enough to accept our calling. Accept the calling that God has given us. Even he's a jumping spider too so we should be willing to to hear that calling to accept the calling that God has given even if it is challenging do it in humility he says not thinking more highly than we ought to think being humble, willing to accept. You know, and that's sometimes harder for those that have been doing service for a long time, isn't it? For years. For somebody new to come along. Maybe a youngster that we've seen grow and mature and we still think that they're 12 and they're now 32. That's a challenge, isn't it? That can be a challenge. Not unlike the challenge of a child growing up in a house with parents and the parents still think of the child as They're a little kid. That's a challenge. But having the humility to allow those new servants to serve alongside us, with us, and perhaps replace us, maybe not straight away, but maybe eventually, that is an incredibly hard thing to do. And yet, we know it's the case. And really, we want it to be the case. We don't want our labor to just be dropped, do we, when when we're done, when we can no longer do that work. We want somebody else to pick it up and carry it forward. Younger generations to step up, to work alongside us, then replace us. And When they do, we have to be willing to do something else, accept that they're going to do it differently. And not the same way that we did. Paul then continues. With a list. Of how we can serve. If prophecy. Let us prophesy. In proportion to our faith. Or ministry let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives. With liberality. He who leads. With diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. There's that serving word there again, isn't it? When we serve one another, we serve the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in. Distributing to the needs of the saints. given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And that last one's pretty tough. Especially if you... Serve in a capacity like this, right? I'm supposed to know all the answers. I'm supposed to be wise and all-knowing and deliver the word. Having humility, say, "Huh? Never saw that before. Never understood that question or even that answer before. Never seen that before. Or I don't know. Be willing." be humble if I don't well then I don't have to worry about losing credibility do I do any of us? we'll lose our faith but notice something about this list it is in every way about service it's about putting the needs of others ahead of our own desires the needs of others ahead but our own desires. If we approach service with humility, then our service will be good. But then there's also another warning in there, too. You know, it's kind of interesting. He says, Where was it? Be kindly affectionate one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, lo- lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit another part I was going to comment here and I've lost it. Blessing and not cursing. And not being proud. If we approach service with humility then our service will be good. But if it's not with humility and I think our service will be disruptive. It will be full of pride. It will be full of of ourselves and not full of the needs of those that we're trying to serve. Turn back, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. Kind of rereading what we read earlier, he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling of which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing, with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. If we approach with a prideful heart in any service, in any service that we do for one another, thinking about how we're viewed and, and maybe using that service as a, as a rank or status. Oh, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. I fill this role, so on and so forth. The I is in there a lot, isn't it? If we approach it that way, we will divide the unity of the Spirit. Paul is saying that we need to keep together, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. In Proverbs sixteen eighteen, it says, Pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoiled with the proud there's a division that comes with pride and we might think it's the spoil of success but it's really not but if we remember where our calling is from and we can serve humility back in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4 Paul says there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in us all, in every single one of us. But to each one of us, is, was, uh, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captive captive and gave gifts to men. So what is your calling? What is our calling? What is our role? In our church family. What are the gifts. That we've been given. So. Maybe you're still struggling. Maybe you would like to serve more. Do more. But you're not too sure. Exactly what way. Well let's look at some examples. And I'm just going to call these out. that, I, As I remembered them. This morning. We're going to look. At where our calling comes from. Our calling comes from Jesus. What's the examples he showed us? What's some of the things that Jesus did? Well, he healed the sick. Anybody want to be a healer? That's a pretty big one, Matt. Start out. I haven't really seen that in, in the biblical way that we look, right? That we we wish that we could just walk past somebody that needed healing and be like Peter and and Paul, or the disciples, and the shadow crosses them, and they they're healed. That would be awesome. But maybe you are called to be a healer, or maybe a comforter to those that are sick, to help bring comfort, to visit, to run errands, provide for their need. So maybe we are not called to be a healer, but we can help in their trouble, in their sickness, in their distress. What else did Jesus do? Well, he fed people, didn't he? He fed people. He gave them water to drink. Can you serve in this way? As we read earlier, distributing to the needs of the saints. That's one of the things that Paul called out as being critical. Distributing to the needs of the saints. And we tend to be in our society a lot more disconnected than that community of believers were. And these were persecuted Christians that were living underground almost, and getting access to resources, to food, and so on was difficult. So this was vital. Maybe it's more vital than we think still today. Jesus was an advisor wasn't he? He's called the Wonderful Counselor. He advised people on what to do with their finances. Did you know that? Jesus was a financial advisor. You remember the story of the rich man that he said, get rid of it all and come follow me. Couldn't do it. Had he done it, he would have been the richest man on the earth So can we be an advisor? Can we be a counselor? Can we use our professional skills as an advisor or as a counselor? There are many different ways that we can look to serve. Jesus was a teacher. He said, Bring those little ones to me. Don't stop them coming to me. There is so much blessing and joy in teaching our young people. Maybe we can help out in the Sabbath school program. Jesus turned water into wine. So maybe you could open up a pub. Okay, maybe not. Maybe a wedding planner? I don't know, so they don't run out of wine? But you could share material blessing. That's one of the things in the list. Paul talks about it as being a giver. A giver of what? A giver of what you have. What does that look like? I don't know. Somebody's building an extension to their house. Give some time. Somebody, you know, needs a, a house cleaning and they've been sick. Give some effort. Vacuuming, whatever it may be. Jesus prayed. In fact, some of the most powerful prayers we have are the prayers that he prayed right before he was going to his trial and his execution. And who did he pray for? Us. He prayed for us. And we're still living off these prayers. You know, I'm often <laughs> reminded that of times when when I received blessings that I didn't earn and and that clearly God was intervening in my life and I often think that I'm still living on the prayers of my mom and dad. How powerful are those prayers? As David talked about earlier, it's so easy to forget. Yet we can be carried by prayer Jesus preached, yes, we can do that too. He teached. But as we can see from this list, there was far more that he did than just that. So again, turning back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. So I have a question. Has this happened? Anybody who has reached this perfection, go ahead and raise your hand hasn't happened yet has it I wish I was there but it has not happened so the commandment to serve to edify to build up one another in the body of Christ is still in place it still has to happen it's still something that we need to do now I'm not saying this in a bad and condemning way because there are seasons of life. There are times when we have little tiny kids and everything about life is consumed by those little tiny kids. Or we have sick relatives. We have parents or others that we need to help. So many different circumstances. But what I am asking us to do, what I am challenging us to do, is to look for ways in which we can serve. And to ask for ways in which you can serve. To give Christ-like service. To maybe not avoid service out of fear, out of insecurity, or maybe even out of just selfish desire. That's human nature too. What Paul makes clear to us is that Christ-like service only stops once we are all Perfected. Which raises an interesting question, doesn't it? When, we will, when will we actually reach the stature and the fullness of Christ? Will we ever? Or will that be an eternal thing? As he increases, we need to increase. We can never catch up to him. So, that's an indication that maybe we will continue to serve one another forever in whatever capacity and gift that we have been given. But when we serve one another, when we strengthen one another, the scripture is clear, that we are edifying one another. And there's something else that happens when we do this for one another. We are not like children anymore. Says we will not be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speak the truth in love, and that we'll grow up in all things into Him who is the Head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love that's what we do when we serve one another and what I you know you can do the same you can think back as I was thinking back when I was writing this about people and David touched upon this people that are not here with us that used to be here with us that used to serve with us and we miss them And we miss them, not just their personality, not just who they were, but we miss the contribution that they made with us. We are less because they are not here with us. And it's not because, I mean, of course, we miss those that have, you know, fallen asleep, as Paul said. But I'm talking about those that have deliberately walked away from this family, from God's family. Miss them and their service. It never really gets replaced. Not really. To quote the Superman movies, you were sent here for a reason. We were all sent here for a reason. I don't know the specifics of that reason. I don't know all the specific gifts that you've been given but I know that you've been given. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, he reminded us to be watchful of the times that we're living in, and that our response to these times should be to increase the level of service. He said, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. There's those prayer warriors that David talked about. And above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If if anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. That in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are to continue to serve more and more as we see the day approaching. To look for ways to serve one another. So in the practical sense I encourage each and every one of us to look at a place of service where we can do something contribute to this church family and to reach out to our leadership maybe you have an idea maybe you have a way in which you feel like you can help and it's something new I ask you to please reach out and do that. to consider standing for the board as I mentioned earlier or in the myriad of other ways that we need laborers we are not all perfected yet we're not all in the fullness of the stature of Christ Jesus yet but with your help with all of our help in service and love we might just get there